Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so grateful that you are joining me today for an interview with Peter Lynch. And Peter is the CEO and founder of Hitch Studio. He's a noted Fortune 500 global executive in talent operations, change, and executive coaching. As an entrepreneur, Peter developed the app Digital Fridge that has been downloaded in more than 70 countries and launched a podcast that reached the top 25 ahead of the New York Times and Harvard Business Review a TEDx speaker whose connection with audiences is legendary. Oh, and he wow. lives in Denver. Peter is also known for his impactful storytelling and has taken his message of success through authenticity to leaders and teams on five continents, which means he has two more to go. <laughs> Peter, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. <laughs> Andy, how you doing, man? I'm glad, they, I'm glad you knew how many more continents there were. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, there's a few things that have stuck with me from school uh, long ago. And I myself have been and worked on five continents as well. I also have two more to go. What are your two? Antarctica, of course. Yes. And I've still never been to Africa at all. Uh, I got a chance. Mine is us. Mine's Australia. Yeah. Okay. I got a chance to run a workshop for a client in Sydney back in 2013, nice. a few years ago, and explored a little bit while I was down there. I had a great time. And uh, our mutual friend, we were introduced by our mutual friend, Dominic Cortuccio. Yes. And I've been, who's been on this podcast, and I've been following him since we we hooked up. And uh, that guy goes to Australia, like it seems like every other week he's traveling. He somewhere. does. <laughs> he's there a lot. My wife says I, I have a significant man crush on Dominic. There's something about that guy that is spectacular. It is uh, very, very believable and relatable, I think, uh, <laughs> for me as well. Um, but you have done a lot of pretty awesome things. And I want to get into this topic of storytelling and culture and leadership, which are so important to a lot of our listeners on this show. But before we do, I'd love to dig into some of your background and find out how you got to where you are today. Awesome. Yeah. So I grew up in uh, Seattle, the Seattle area, went to college up there and, and lived there for a while, then ended up finding my wife and we got married and we moved out to the Midwest. We moved to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That's where her family was from. And I had been in working with youth and I had been working at a university 
And I was just, it was about 27 years old, starting to get into corporate America. And I thought, I want some big company experience. And the only big company in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota was Gateway Computers. If you remember Gateway Computers, the old cow spotted boxes. I do, the cow spotted boxes, yeah. That's right. And so I started there in retail training and then moved into more operations training, call center, etc. From there, we moved to Denver. I got a job with Dish Network. That was really my, my next experience and what pulled us to Denver. There, I led service and call center training. But I've always... My whole history of my life, I've been fascinated with the art of communication. And more importantly, the art of storytelling. And so I began to start to leverage that in how do you tell stories through training to connect with people and to capture their attention. And so from there, I I had a great opportunity in in ever-increasing roles to work with big companies like LexisNexis and AIMCO, Western Union, Great West Financial, ultimately led talent for them. And so I've worked all across the entire talent spectrum. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. So you worked for a lot of big companies and then you eventually went out on your own and, and founded your own company, yeah. Hitch. What, what led you to do that? So it was a really powerful story and actually Dominic was part of that. So I had been coaching with Dominic uh, in 2016 and he challenged me to take our coaching to the next level. And I did what I typically do when I get scared is I ignore things. Right, he he uh, was trying to pull me out of my comfort zone, and I had I had so surrounded myself with comfort that anytime I felt too much discomfort, I would just ignore things. You know, I had a, a great position, lots of power and influence. People wanted to talk to me, so I didn't need to talk to people that I didn't want to talk to. And Dominic had given this proposal, and it was a high dollar figure. And I said I would get back to him in three days. Three days came, and I didn't get back to him. He left me a voice text, and the voice text said this. It said, you had committed to get back to me today. You chose not to. This is why you will stay where you are in the rut that you're in. The deal is off the table. Now, this is the first time anyone had ever pulled the rug out from under me like that. Wow. He took me in an instant from where I thought I had the advantage and he completely flipped it. And that was the beginning kind of of the moment where I recognized I needed to actually change my relationship with fear start to get more uncomfortable to really find the calling that I knew I had. And so I worked with him a little bit more. I finally made a decision to leave a great company, a great job, a great salary, and a great team. And I did it because I needed to go on this journey to chase fear and to get uncomfortable. 
Oh man, that is a heck of a story right there. And I want to, I want to dig into that idea of chasing fear a little bit more because I love this subject. I have another podcast called the Andy Stewart show where we, I dig into this a little bit more and more personal development related may have to use this there as well. Uh, My tagline (laughs) is starve your fears because I believe that growth most often happens on the other side of fear and discomfort. There are so many places where fear holds people back in every walk of life, whether they're in corporate, they're entrepreneur, they're a man, they're a woman, they're black, they're white. It doesn't matter. We all deal with fear and we all let fear hold us back in different areas. So what was the big fear that was holding you back and how did you get through that? Was it having coaching? What was it? Yeah. The, so the big fear was really, you know, it's, I think it's a very common fear. It's this imposter syndrome. I grew up very, you know, I grew up to a single mom that didn't graduate high school. We lived in a single wide mobile home I was surrounded by a lot of family chaos. And I had risen to this executive level position at one of the biggest companies in the world. And the fear was, if I step outside the boundaries of what I know in corporate, will I fail? That was probably the biggest fear. But what really helped me get past and start almost... I I turned fear into my North Star. It kind of became the compass for me. So when things are make me afraid, I know I need to investigate that. And the, the way and the reason that I transformed that was I changed my relationship with fear. And I changed it this way. I started to think about what are the things in my life that cause fear? Things like losing my family, things like not succeeding. And so I started to think, what does fear actually mean? Fear is actually an attributor of great value because I'm afraid about things that have deep meaning to me. So why am I running away from those? Why shouldn't I instead run directly towards those and see, to your point, what's on the other side? Yeah, and oftentimes uh, there, we're afraid of things that we don't need to be afraid of, right? We, That's we, right. When we say we're afraid of failure, which most people, many people are afraid of failure, what we really mean yeah. is we're afraid of judgment, right? We're afraid that we're yes. going to... You're going to leave that job. You're going to go start a business. You're going to fail at all your old colleagues are going to go... See, I knew that guy couldn't do yeah. it. Right? That's the that's the real fear, right? That's right. That's right. That's exactly what it is. And it is scary, right? We don't like to deal with that judgment. But at the end of the day, you think about what's most important to you. You're married, you have kids, that yeah. you know you're going to be with them. That would be a legitimate fear if you were doing something that would cause you to lose your family. Yeah. And you know what I, I started to think about though is that because that still is a fear that people would say, boy, Peter, I knew you couldn't do it. Yeah. But I started to think, what's a greater fear? A greater fear is me on my deathbed having regret for not having tried it. That's a greater fear. Another greater fear was I had kept telling my kids, my three kids, I kept telling them, you can do anything you want. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I, I had to stop telling them it and I had to show them. And so, you know, the words were kind of meaningless. I, I, I knew it didn't resonate with them. And so I determined that I instead had to show them that you can do anything you want. Even if, if that means stepping away from the best job that you're happy with, that has great money and doing this thing that's scary that might not succeed. Every one of my kids has told me that they value that far more than the comfort I had created in that big role. Oh man, those are two powerful things right there. I think I first heard from Dominic on another podcast and then we talked about it on mine that the definition of hell is getting to the end of your life and meeting the man or the woman that you yes. could have become, right? Yes. Realizing what you had the potential to achieve but you didn't take a chance and do it. Such a great, yeah, such a great line. And then if you have children or you have nieces and nephews or you have friends or people that you mentor and you're telling yeah. them, 
you know, Hey, you can be anything you want to be or do anything you want to do. And you're not, yeah. they're watching what you do, not yeah. just listening to what you say. And so you want to be that role model. Well, this is motivating me. This is, this is not where I thought this, this interview was going to go, but I'm so excited right now. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, there is nothing. I have been one of the people that the thing that has driven me crazy the most about leadership is people who say one thing and do something else. Mm. That is the thing. And that's why authenticity in my new book, it's about authenticity is so important to me. Be, and, and I recognize that I actually wasn't living on authentic life because I was saying one thing, but I wasn't doing the other thing. And I, you know, when told me about that man that you meet, I thought the same thing. I thought, am I going to meet this person and be, what was I thinking? You know, I thought I was, uh, I was doing the right thing by being comfortable. When in reality, if I had just been a little brave and stepped out a little bit, I, I might have stepped into something that is spectacular. That's such good stuff. So I want to get into the book and your business and authenticity. But one other thing to get back to coaching, because yeah. you mentioned that you had hired Dominic. And so you're working with a coach through this to help you through this <laughs> process of doing your job. And many of our listeners being in talent development, understand the importance of coaching. Some have maybe never hired a coach. Maybe they've worked yep. for coaches for other people, or maybe they fancy themselves a coach, but they haven't worked with a coach, which is again, <laughs> going back to that, like, are you practicing what you preach? authenticity yes. thing. You told me something right before we started recording that I loved, which is about why you said you always have three coaches. Could you tell That's me right. what that was again? Yeah. So I always in my life have three coaches. I have one coach who is older than me and who has done everything I want to do. They're kind of my aspiration and they're helping, you know, success leaves clues. So they're sharing some of those clues. The second coach is the same age as me, almost peer-like. And we're going through a lot of the same things. So we can help each other. We can encourage each other. And then the third, and this is the one that most people have a struggle with and don't think about, is somebody younger than me that is excelling, probably past where I was at that age. And I want to know what are the ingredients that they're leveraging? You know, what's their perspective? To me, that relationship has been one of the most powerful coaching relationships I've had. Yeah. And I told you, I can relate to that. I have two coaches right now, one who is older than me and living the life that I want or has achieved yes. many things that I want. And one uh, who is much younger than me. And she <laughs> has definitely more successful than me in many areas already <laughs> being much younger than me. And she's pushing me to really think about a lot of the things I'm doing and, and go harder from a yeah. sales and business perspective. So I completely agree. Well, and I love this story. And I shared this with you earlier, but this story, my best friend, Chad, he's yeah. been a coach in the NBA for, gosh, probably 20 years now. You know, And when he was at just starting out, he was with the Indiana Pacers and Reggie Miller was there, one of the most prolific three-point shooters ever in the game. And after a practice one day, Reggie called Chad over and said, I want you to watch my shot and tell me what I'm doing wrong. Now, Chad's thinking, I can't shoot as good as this guy. I don't have the experience that he has. There's nothing that would tell you I should have anything of value to add. But what he found out, and the reason Reggie was one of the best ever, is he understood the power of perspective. He said he knew that Chad could bring a new perspective to him that might make his shooting better. And so he sought that out. It was so powerful. Yeah. And your coach doesn't have to be as good as you at the That's thing. Right. I always like to point out, you know, Tom Brady is the winningest football <laughs> player we've seen in a long time. You know, the, the Patriots keep winning the Super Bowl. Tom Brady has three coaches. I'm guessing none of them can throw a football nearly <laughs> as good right. as he can, but they help him get better. He likes to surround himself with coaches because it helps him. That's right. 
and really the proof point we talked about before too, my best, the best teachers in my life are my kids, my three kids. I have learned the most in my life from my three kids. None of them have the experience I have. None of them have the tenure in life that I have. You know, they have none of the things that you would think would bring great coaching, but they have been the greatest teachers to me. All right. Well, speaking of coaching and leadership, tell me a little bit more about what you do with your company, Hitch, now. Yeah. So we offer coaching, you know, teams, teams in transition, executives, leaders, a bunch of different areas. What we've really started to see grow is coaching around the art of storytelling and speaking. And, you know, the subtext that I use for that is the art of attention in an age of distraction. So we really live in an age of distraction. There is more information. There is more stimuli. There is more things coming at you than ever before and significantly. So the question becomes, how do you actually start to cut through that white noise with your messages that are important? And one of the ways I have found, one of my mentors, Mark Sanborn, he's the one who I'm chasing. (laughs) He has this famous quote and he said, stories are the coat racks that we hang ideas on. And I remember when I heard that 10 years ago, it resonated with me because when I'm a leader or when I'm a coach or when I'm a parent, when I tell a story and I give the person I'm talking to a coat rack to hang that idea on, they remember it so much better. And so all of my influence and training, and the reason I've had some of the most successful compliance programs and training launches ever is because we, in everything we do, start with that base of what is the store that people are going to be able to hang that idea on? Yeah. And I've heard so much about the importance of storytelling. It's something that I've always wanted to get better with. I read a great book recently about using storytelling in business. I've been through some programs on that. Um, some yeah. companies are starting to teach that more. And so are you coming into companies and helping coach and train leaders on how to use storytelling to kind of influence their, their teams to get more done? Yeah, I'm working right now with a, a six-person executive team at one of the, my favorite companies in Denver, uh, Cardinal. They're an amazing company. And what we're doing is we're basically walking them through the science of storytelling, but then I am empowering them with the art of storytelling. So my two words, I say, I start every meeting with better and uncomfortable. I said, we're going to get better, but to do that, we have to become uncomfortable. So get ready. And that's what I do is I really make them uncomfortable. And in doing that, they get better. But here's one great example of how this plays out as a leader. So I led talent development at Great West Financial. You know, we had 6,000 employees, hired a couple thousand a year. And we had, you know, day one in onboarding is becoming more and more important. Millennials and Gen Z and even Gen X and everyone else. It's so important. People want to feel wanted. And so one of the problems we had was computers weren't showing up on day one. And that's a big problem. And so I met with our talent acquisition team and I said, guys, we have to fix this. And one of them on the team said, yeah, but we don't own that. Well, just two weeks... Now, I I could have come back and said, I don't care, do it. Or I could have said, well, this is important. That wouldn't have resonated. Two weeks before, my wife and I had gone out to a dinner. We don't go very often. And we went to a nice dinner. We valeted the car. You know, it was really nice. Well, one of the valet guys had driven home with my keys. And it took him, when we were ready to leave, it took about an hour for him to get back before we could leave. The manager of the restaurant came up to me and he said, Mr. Lynch, I'm so sorry, but I just want you to know we don't own the valet. And I looked at him and I said, you may not own the valet, but you own the experience. That's right. Now, when I shared this story with my team, one guy on my team, I saw him in an instant. He got it. 
Yeah. He looked at me and he said, you're right. I own the experience. Now, he couldn't have connected to that idea absent a story. The Mm -hmm. story was the coat rack that let him connect to it. Within two weeks, he fixed the problem. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing because it took ownership of the overall experience. That's right. Which allowed him to, to solve the problem better. By the way, it's so crazy to me how like how eager was that restaurant manager to offload responsibility? I, I had to throw in there. By the way, we don't own the valet. Just so we you know, don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we haven't been back. Needless to say, <laughs> right? Exactly. Whereas if he had owned up to it, yes, like we're so sorry. Like we, you know, this is very rare. Let us get you a free meal or something. Yes, to come back, right? Totally. We actually might have remembered that restaurant even greater than we had if that didn't happen. I mean, you can actually turn those bad experiences into something better, but yeah, he took it the wrong direction. Okay. And so has you've done a lot of speaking. I know you've done a TEDx talk and you've got this book and there's a lot of that about storytelling as well. Yeah. Storytelling is a central component in everything I do. Just because to me, everything I talk about influences a component. And to me, the greatest factor of influence is storytelling. That's how you connect. People often, you often hear companies say they have a communication problem. It's never a communication problem. It's a connection problem. People aren't connected to the message. So you can create more emails. You can create more videos. That doesn't solve the problem. You have to connect. And to me, the greatest way to connect is storytelling. So it's central to everything. So for people listening that want to help their leaders get better at storytelling and using this to really connect more, what are some pieces of advice that you can give to them now? Yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a few things, you know. One is, I mean, TED has been such a great organization to showcase great storytellers. So I always say, you know, watch and look around for videos that are great stories. Watch for commercials that are great stories. Watch for stories in your life. To me, the, the first thing you have to do is you have to do what I call this concept ABL, which is always be looking. Once you turn on that switch in your brain to always be looking for stories, they are everywhere. And so as you start to see the world through a storytelling lens, they show up and it changes the way you create content, changes the way you lead, changes the way you communicate, changes everything. One is always be on the lookout to what are the great stories that you see, whether it's TED Talks or even TV commercials, advertisements, who's telling a good story, why does it connect and why does it resonate with you and how can you leverage some of those same techniques? That's right. Uh, Just one of my favorite ones, Margaret Heffernan. Uh, Most people have never heard hers, but she's on the TED, the National TED site. Hmm. And it's called, I believe it's called The Pecking Order or something along those lines. But in it, she tells a fantastic story about chickens. And it applies so great to leaders. I actually used it in a leadership program that I developed and launched at Great West. And the idea was William Muir, Muir, a professor at Purdue, wanted to study productivity. And chickens are an easy way to do that because you just count eggs. So he looked at these chickens and he took the ones that were producing the most eggs and he put them in one flock. And then he took the lowest producing and put them in another. So he had the super flock and the not super flock. He studied them over 13 generations, which was about a year, a year, 13 months or something. Okay. And what he found was at the end of that study, the super chicken flock was dead and dying and producing almost nothing. And the other flock was flourishing. What he came to recognize was that these chickens were only super chickens because they suppressed the other chickens. So when you remove them, the other chickens flourished. They were douchebag chickens. And (laughs) what 
And what I always say is, do we as an organization have douchebag leaders? Yeah. They're only, they have only reached where they are by suppressing the greatness in their teams. And to me, those, when I go into an organization, one of the first assessments I do is I say, we're going to find the douchebag leaders and we're going to change them or remove them because they are killing your productivity. So her TED talk and where she talked about that is so powerful. Yeah. Wow. I had not heard that before about the chickens. I mean, I've heard a similar concept. I had uh, Liz Weissman on this podcast who wrote the book Multipliers, oh, yeah. uh, if you're familiar with it, and this idea of yeah. leaders being multipliers or diminishers. And those diminishers do a lot of things to diminish their people's intelligence by micromanaging and doing those, those things that you're talking about that those, those bad yeah. chickens do. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. We're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis. In fact, we recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as creating a culture of multipliers, gender equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on helping rid the world of bad bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on decision-making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, calming the storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giulioni on developing in place how to continue your growth during remote working. And a webinar from Paul Middleton on the secret sauce for learning in the flow of work plus many more, just head to our website at advantageperformance.com. Click on free resources and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. So in building this business now, you're working with a lot of companies. You're working with a lot of leaders to help them with storytelling, to help them become better leaders. Talked about the, you know, getting rid of the, the douchebags. Um, <laughs> When you look at companies that are trying to improve talent developments, so they're bringing in people in there and they want to help them get to the next level. What are a couple of mistakes that you see companies making that you, you think could be improved? So the question really is specifically related to the talent they're bringing in for... Well, um, as they're talent. developing talent from a talent development perspective, you know, career development, talent yep. development. Yep, gotcha. Um, so, I mean, to me, number one is... And it really, there's five levers of talent that that I look at. So there's, you know, you have the traction, recruit, onboard, engage, and transition, that life cycle. A lot of companies are failing with the attract piece. Most think of the grabbing of talent from the recruit. And so they either have a problem, one of two problems. They have no value proposition or they have a fake value proposition. Those are the two biggest things. So what happened is, you know, the the, the fastest growing attrition in the Fortune 2000 is under 45 days because people are entering a company and they were sold a lie. And so that's an expensive proposition. The other is you're probably missing some great talent because you don't have a value proposition at all. Now, so that's problem one. Once you fix that, then you're getting the right kinds of people in. Um, now what you need to do is you need to really leverage one of my, uh, th- that I think is the most powerful and uh, important and impactful element of talent development is what I call ugly video. And ugly video is the idea a video that is infused with authenticity. And let me tell you what I mean. So um, when live video started on the scene, there was Meerkat and Periscope were really kind of the first two. Then it quickly accelerated. Now all of the apps, you know, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, everybody's doing live. Yep. And like there's a reason. As well. yeah. yeah, they did. That's yeah. right. 
And one of the reasons Facebook did a lot of study on it. And what they did is they took the same content and the one was pre-produced and pretty. The other was live and ugly and the same content. The average watch time on the pretty was 2.3 minutes. The average watch time on the ugly was 32 and a half minutes. Mm. Um, customers were also eight times more likely to purchase and 10 times more likely to comment on the ugly video. Wow. And so when I saw this stat, I immediately went to my research, my crack research team, my three kids. And I said, uh, why is this? Why is this one more um, appealing than this? And I'll never forget. It was actually one of my kids' friends who said, I trust it. So we, you know, for forever, talent development has been focused on making everything beautiful. And what, what happens and the problem with that is when people see it, they don't trust it because they know it's a message that was scripted and polished and edited. And if you can find a way to leverage some of this ugly, authentic, raw, real content, your engagement is going to go through the roof. And I have proof. I launched a program at Great West Financial called The Five. And it was where I interviewed executives. It was under five minutes. I asked them five questions and they had to high five me because it's impossible not to smile when you high five. And I was interviewing executives because there was a disconnect between employees and executives. I launched this program. I didn't give them the questions ahead of time. Question number five was a question out of left field. So Rich Linton was my first person that I interviewed, executive vice president of operations. Question number five was, what's your guilty pleasure concert? The concert you've been to, you're most embarrassed of. And I'll never forget his answer. He said, well, my wife's a Barry Manilow fan. We laughed. I launched it. Two weeks later, he saw me and he said, Peter, I can't walk across campus without people coming up to me and talking about Barry Manilow. And I said, Rich, you know what we just did? We just made you real. Made we human. just made human. That's yeah. right. People are now connected. Remember, it's not a communication problem. It's a connection problem. People are now connected with you. Um, we had executives say that because I told them I wasn't going to give them the questions ahead of time, if they wanted to re-record, they could. I ended up recording 40 of these and we never had to re-record one. Hmm. Uh, so this and, and, and um, the intranet team told us that when we launched these on the intranet, they were getting 10 to 12 times the traffic of every other post. Wow. And it was all because it was real. So my challenge to talent development people is don't get so obsessed with creating the most beautiful and perfect thing. Sometimes that over-polish kills the value. Love it. I love it. And as, as big as I am on authenticity and vulnerability uh, to build rapport and connect with people in sort of the personal world, yeah. I, I don't see a lot of companies using it in the corporate world. A few people so far. And I haven't pushed it enough with my own clients and, and thinking about that. And so I, I appreciate you, you bringing that up. And that is the theme of your new book, right? You said you have a new book That's about right. authenticity and storytelling? Yeah. Well, the, the book, the title of the book is called The Ugly Advantage, Why You Look Good When You Look Real. And it's, you know, it's really about my life story, about how I became consumed with never being fake and always being true to who I was. And how that didn't actually slow down my growth, but it accelerated my growth in everything I've done. And the ugly, you know, in the book, The Ugly Advantage, the ugly is a, an acronym for unique, gutsy, likable, and yourself. And so I really walk through what are those four components. And then when you live that life, 
what are the outputs of those? And many of those outputs are related to how you operate in business, how you lead as a, a coach, how you lead as a family. So it really speaks to you as a whole person. That's awesome. Okay. So ugly stands for, again, unique. What is it? Gutsy. Gutsy. Okay. Likeable. Likeable. And yourself. And yourself. Okay. So what's the difference between unique and yourself? Yes. So unique is something that it's when you are comparing who you are against kind of the marketplace. So Mm. something that stands out. But the yourself is we really dig into this idea that you were designed for something very specific. You were created for something very unique. You have characteristics. And one of the stories I share is, you know, when I became a father, I remember saying, I, my kids are going to know they can, they can be anything. They can do anything. And then I started to watch them and I saw that they were designed and created very uniquely. My son is the connector. He loves people. My middle daughter, she is the planner. In the mornings, she'll tell me I'm five minutes behind schedule. I didn't know I had a schedule. (laughs) Um, My youngest is the stand-up comedian. They are so unique. They bring something that is such a value proposition, but it's compared to them. So the uniqueness is, how do you compare to the market? The yourself component is, are you being what you were designed to be? Yeah, I completely makes sense. And likable, I get, and gutsy is about being bolder and, and taking chances or what? Well, yeah, it's about being brave. It's about, um, you know, taking the steps that we don't want to take, kind of some of the, you know, chasing fear like we talked about early. You know, likable was my least favorite chapter. I, I wanted so bad to call that chapter legendary or limitless or some powerful word. Yeah. But I kept going back to this concept of likability. And I had a mentor who I told him, I'm going to change the chapter and I'm going to write it about limitless. And he said, Peter, stop trying to write this book for unicorns. (laughs) He he said, write this book for everyone. And he said, we need more likability. And he said, the the best influence I've experienced was through people that I like. Wow. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot then. What, What is your strength or quality that makes you most likable? (laughs) <laughs> I, I think it's my ability to understand where a person has come from. But I think beyond that, it's really my vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I, I kind of show people the path that they've always wanted to take and that they've been afraid to take. Yeah. And I kind of show them that it works. Oh, that's cool. All right, let me switch gears, ask a few more questions here. What's been your, from a talent development perspective, could be when you were in, a, in, in corporate or yeah. since you started your own company, what's been your biggest or proudest accomplishment? Um, yeah, I have a few. One was, so Great West Financial, you know, an old 120-year-old financial services company. They had just bought Putnam Investments out of Boston and an arm of J.P. Morgan Chase. You know, very traditional financial services. We focused very heavily on creating some diversity and inclusion programs. And we ended up rolling out a great training for our leaders as well as recruiting practices and content for training. And then in 2016, we won Mogul's Top 100 Innovative Diversity and Inclusion Companies. Uh, We were number 22 on the list, ahead of Nike, ahead of Amazon, ahead of Deloitte. So, you know, that was, you know, having been at a company that was very legacy, to get the ship to steer was really cool. That was one. The other one that was really cool was we had a training issue at a multifamily organization. They were an S&P 500 company. And they had hired training 
companies that come in and did a million, they had manuals and, you know, process analysis. I mean, they had done everything. And I came in and said, we need something different. We need something that connects with these service managers because we were having some safety issues. And so I said, I, I walked around and as I was, you know, visiting sites and meeting with these service people, I started to notice that they had comics pinned to their wall. And so I said, let's create a comic strip training we'll launch this and we'll send a couple comic strips out a month and it will have a tie to a safety issue. Uh, we rolled this out. And in one year we took, there's a, a term that's called the days away case rate. So it's how many days do your people have away because of safety in injuries? Our Dakar number was like 12.3. It was like four times the industry average. In one year, we took it from 12.3 down to 3.2 which was best in industry. And the next year we reduced it even more to 2.5. Wow. So, and that was through a comic strip. So it was just taking a new take on something that had been done for a long time in safety training. That's fantastic. Some big accomplishments there. Really cool stuff to be proud of. Uh, flip side, what has been your biggest failure or mistake uh, <laughs> along the way? And what did you learn from it? I've had a lot of those. So this one's really easy. Yeah. The biggest one was probably we were developing a compliance training for HIPAA. And again, I wanted to make it super engaging. So we created like 12 little vignettes of video and we, we put them, we placed them into a TV guide so that people could click, you know, the order they wanted. We had one of them was a stand-up comedian. One of them was a, a fishing show like on an outdoor channel. We had a soap opera. I mean, it was awesome. It was fun to watch. It was interesting. And our chief compliance officer saw it. And he called me to his office and he said, Peter, he said, I said, I hate to do this because this is super entertaining, but we create a little more risk for ourselves through some of the things that were said. He was spot on. He was absolutely right. We, and then we had gotten sign off from some people on his team, but we didn't from him. It was a huge failure. But what did we learn out of that? I actually remember the meeting where I went back to my team to tell him, because they were so excited about this training. And I had to tell them that we were canceling it. And I told them we were canceling it. And I said, but I'm so excited, guys. And I could see the look on their face. They're like, why? And I said, well, how many of you here wrote the video script for the first time? Half the team rose their hand. I said, how many of you directed the shooting of a video for the first time? You know, a third of them raised their hand. How many of you acted in a video for the first time? Almost everybody raised their hand. I said, that's an accomplishment. We're going to turn this into our next training, which is going to be the best training we've ever done. Love that. Turning failure into a success story. We got practice and now we have an opportunity to use that practice and that experience to make it even better the That's next right. time, which is awesome. Um, Peter, are there any big trends that you're noticing, you're following in talent development, leadership development that are impacting how people work? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, the, the, the number one that I, I've already mentioned is this idea of ugly video. So this idea of selfie type video. So... Um, really low production value, but high authenticity. That's one. Another one that um, I think is really going to grow is, is what you're doing right now, which is podcasting, but bringing podcasts inside companies. I, you know, Remax has been doing this. We did this at Great West. These are great vehicles for, to communicate with people in a time when people have little time. So they can listen to it in the car or as they're traveling between buildings. So I think podcasting is a huge, huge one. The other one... You know, storytelling, I mentioned, I think that's a huge trend as well. But the other one that we've talked about a little bit, not specific related to this, which is the rise and the growth and the importance of coaching. 
people want coaching because they want to get better. I released the pie chart the other day because I had done some study. And I said, how many of the people I talked to want coaching inside the business? And the pie chart said 68% yes. And then 32% yes, but just in a different color so that it looks like a pie chart. <laughs> Everybody wants coaching. Yeah. And it's, it really, it does two things. One is it will, it's really an impactful way to expand professional development inside the organization. Um, but it also increases engagement and it's known to lower attrition. So there's so many value factors related to it that I think that's going to be a real growing component of, of professional development, talent development. I love it. And those are uh, all great things. I think more authenticity, more storytelling, more coaching, and more podcasting. All things that I love (laughs) and excited about. And I have also noticed, obviously, there are more and more podcasts out there. I've been podcasting for a couple of years now and I really enjoy doing it and and being able to connect with people and share a lot of information. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Um, But I have seen some companies I work with that have started internal podcasts. A nice. couple of different clients or listeners have reached out to me for help in starting internal podcasts. So that's awesome. if that's something that if you're listening and that's something that's on your mind for your organization, feel free to reach out and I'd be happy to, to give advice because I think it is a great way to communicate information and I may even be able to, to help you with it. Peter, any uh, you've already recommended a book and a TED Talk, but do you have a book that has made a big impact on you or that you often recommend? Yeah. So, and I, I, I mentioned David Goggins. I don't know if I mentioned his book, Can't Hurt Me. That's the most recent book I finished. Great book, really about this idea of chasing fear and the power and the pain um, is a great one. I, I've always loved um, a book called The Obstacles of the Way by Ryan Holiday. You know, it's based in Stoic philosophy. It's a fantastic book. You know, a long time, my, one of my mentors, Mark Sanborn, he has a book called The Fred Factor that has always been one of my favorite. He's just one of the best storytellers I've ever met. And his book is him telling a story about his postman and about the lessons he learned about being great at what you do from his postman. Interesting. Some great recommendations there. Uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. I've heard that recommendation so many times. I've bought it. It's on my Kindle. I haven't read it yet. (laughs) Um, And Obstacles Away by Ryan Holiday. I'm a big Ryan Holiday fan. I read The Daily Stoic with my kids every morning. It is absolutely essential for my life from a personal development, you know, stoic philosophy perspective. And I hope others will check that out. Last question for you, Peter, for anyone listening who is in talent development or maybe a big company leader that's looking for ways to improve their career, you know, get to the next level. uh, What's one more piece of advice you would give? I would say be a student yourself. You know, don't just create things for students, be a student yourself. I learned by when I would leave work, I was concerned consumed with going on, look, captured my attention and then dissecting them and saying, why did they do that? You know, finding thought leaders and hearing them, going to conferences and learning. I mean, to me, if you are the biggest student in your organization, you will create an organization of people that want to learn. I love it. Never stop learning. My mantra is stay hungry. Never stop learning. Never stop growing. Uh, Peter, for anybody listening that wants to get in touch with you or find out more about what you do, what's the best way for them to connect? Yeah, so probably one of two ways. Number one is they can go to my website, Hitch Studio. So H-I-T-C-H dot studio. Um, And then on social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Real Peter Lynch on Facebook and Instagram, and Peter Lynch or P Lynch one on LinkedIn. All right. I just took a picture of us for Instagram. Um, (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your 
experience, your wisdom, your advice. Uh, it has been uh, great for me to listen to, really valuable. And I know it has been for our listeners as well. So thank you again for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andy. I appreciate it. And just so you know, I'm taking a photo here real quick too oh, as well. Let's do it. <laughs> Done. All right. Thanks, man. Take care. Thanks. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.